Shall we begin? Why not? Welcome to Frankie Sense and More. It's like she's got a whole lot of goodness for you with a little bit of sass. Frankie, did you just say... She sure did. Not to mention, <laughs> along with... Whoops. Join us now as Frankie Picasso and her new co-host mix it up with authors, musicians, and interviews with world-changing people. Let's begin Okay, let's begin now, because it only makes sense. Hello there, and welcome to Frankie's Sins and More. I'm so glad that you're able to join us today. I, uh, I actually have a theme today. Not often I have a theme theme, but I do have one. But I'm going to keep you in suspense just for another minute. <laughs> I need to tell you about something that's really important and really uh, a little upsetting to me. I want to tell you about Maggie. Maggie is a pit, a pit bull mix. She's a sweet little girl, white, with, with one blue eye and one brown eye. And she was actually born deaf, too. Talk about being behind the eight ball. Uh, her family recently moved to Montreal. And they just received a notice with 500 other families, surrender your dog within four weeks. Now, Montreal has a no pit bull zone, which means they're going to kill all of these dogs. If they think they look like a pit bull, if they're part pit bull, whatever it is, these dogs are, you know, goners. Fortunately, the SPCA you know, is doing everything and has been doing everything in its power to get these dogs out of province and adopted to different places. Unfortunately, they are expecting a large number of animal abandonment, and we know that there aren't enough placements for adoptions out uh, out of the province because 500 dogs, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? But time is not on their side, but we can certainly be on their side. Um, let us get together. They need some, some, some money. They need some donations. They need some housing. They need all kinds of stuff to help these wonderful dogs. Can you imagine these distraught families? I mean, it's ridiculous that they would take a beautiful, you know, family member uh, and take it away from a home because of, you know, their pedigree. So um, the SPCA is confident that with our help that they're going to be, you know, be able to hopefully save a lot of the innocent dogs um, that fall prey to their unfair and arbitrary legislation that this province has. And I know so many of my, myself and so many of my friends have been working, you know, diligently to try to get this to change. And unfortunately, uh, even just as, you know, as early as last week, that letter went out because they rejected it again. So call the Montreal SPCA 514-735-2711 or go to spca.com uh, look for Montreal and and uh, contact them Maggie is beautiful she's really a sweet little girl and I, I'm sure that that you know if you just take one look at her you're going to fall in love but if you can't do that like just please donate donate they they need so much assistance okay on to the show today we are looking at how we shape and perceive our existence and we're going to do that with my guest rebecca kirstein and we're going to do that with brent our movie correspondent so first let me tell you a little bit about rebecca she is nothing if not mutable she is fluid and innovative and a true entrepreneur who has definitely shaped her world the way she wants it she's a serial entrepreneur a speaker educator idea generator a team builder a collaborator, a connector. She calls herself a conduit to the best knowledge resources for entrepreneurs. And let me see, she owns a business photography studio, a real estate investment company, uh, a branding and marketing collective, an idea incubation. And she's in her second year of event promotion producing the Rethink Thinking Summit, a creative event to empower youth to become collaborative, 
critical thinkers and problem solvers. And this is really interesting because I found this was so perfect for our theme today. Their founding belief of the crew who put this on is that make what you wish exist. So how cool is that? Because we're all about shaping and perceiving our existence today. So, you know, let's, let's meet this wonderful Rebecca. Hi. Hello. Thank you so much for having me, Frankie. Oh, what a pleasure. You know, when our mutual friend Charmaine told me about you and she said, oh, Frankie, you have to find out about this. Rethink and think, rethink. And it's so cool. And I'm like, yeah, I love that idea because I love anything that has to do with innovation and creativity and collaboration. Like those are, you know, right up me there in too. all my values. Yeah. So cool. <laughs> so cool. Absolutely. But I, you know, um, I do want to get to know you a little bit and I was on your website and I don't know if you you know, want to talk about this or not, but let me read what you wrote. You said before um, I'm an entrepreneur, I'm also a daughter and a mother and I'm sandwiched between the legacy of my own mother whose inability to recognize her unlimited potential led to despair and addiction and my daughter who thrives despite living with chronic illness and who sees yeah. opportunity to make a difference uh, in her own life and the lives of others at every difficult intersection she encounters. Wow. Powerful, powerful words. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm, I'm happy to talk about that. Um, I think that sometimes I think we, uh, in business in particular, shy away from our personal stories because um, they aren't always glamorous. And, uh, but my, my personal story and my history and, and how I grew up and, and how I raised my own daughter is a big part of why I do what I do today. Um, so yeah, absolutely. I, um, you know, my, my own mother who passed away last, um, August before our, right before our inaugural, uh, summit and uh, I was launching the biggest thing of my career and my mom passed away a couple of months before, before we were uh, due to launch it. And, uh, so it was an incredibly hectic time in my life. Um, but I, I had, uh, I had really had a, uh, a challenging relationship with my mom, uh, most of her, uh, life because Mm -hmm. of her addiction. And, uh, and it really, really, uh, do we? Okay, (laughs) there you go. And, and like, like most people who suffer from addictions, my mom was an incredible human being, you know, she had Mm -hmm. so much love and so much, uh, to give the world. Uh, but she didn't learn a lot of the things that I now try to impart to not only my child, but, um, but other kids out there as well, you know, self-love and, 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 you know, following your passions and your dreams and giving your life meaning and purpose, because I really do think that's the antidote to, uh, mental health, uh, problems and addictions. But when yeah. What did your mom want to be or do? Um, I, she was an artist. She was an incredible artist, um, but oh, she wonderful. never pursued it professionally. You know, she, she always did, you know, kind of jobs to, to pay bills and, and, yeah. uh, she, she was actually a receptionist, and she actually won awards for being, like, the most friendly, amazing receptionist. Oh, wow. <laughs> and she was wow. an incredible person um, and really, really connected with people, but unfortunately yeah. just never found a way Where did you guys that. hit edges? My mom and I? Yeah. Um, what do you mean? What do you mean hit Where edges? Where did you bump like, up, yeah. you know, the, the relationship? Where did you struggle? Oh, we really, we just struggled with trust. You know, I think uh, oh, okay. when you, when you go through having, having a parent with addictions, um, mm-hmm. I think you just, you know, you kind of, it's really, really hard to regain trust. And my mom had been clean for, you know, seven or eight years before she passed away, but she uh, really always struggled with that. And she, as a result, she ended up having a really good relationship with my daughter because her and my daughter didn't have that history. Yeah. Um, my my mom so, was the same with my kids. Great grandmother. Oh, yeah? 
great grandma, okay. hard mom. <laughs> Interesting, hey? Yeah, well, and I think they, you know, to some degree learn from those mistakes and, and yeah. that broken trust with their own kids and, and hopefully do better with the next generation, which I think my mom absolutely did with my daughter. And it's really difficult to, you know, this, I'm not, I don't know how old you are, but I mean, I know that you had a mom and a daughter, so I'm assuming yeah. that, you know, you're at the latter stage of the boomer, you know, generation. That, <laughs> I'm that going to be 40 in March. A mom and, and a kid, you know? <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. And, 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 I, and trying to be an entrepreneur and trying to create all of this stuff while looking after both. It's not an easy task. And women, you know, certainly have a doubly difficult, doubly difficult. Yeah, I, I but, would definitely agree with that. I'm a single parent, too. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a it's a big load, but uh, but a rewarding one for sure. How old is your daughter now? She is 14. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, good 14, age. she'll be 15. And just, yeah, she, you know, for her, it's actually a really good age because it's, uh, she's had a, you know, a bit of a bit of a different childhood. She has Crohn's disease and, um, and has, That's a tough you know, one. kind of worked through that. Yeah, absolutely. It's a tough one. And she's really, you know, turned, turned that into opportunity at every turn. And, and, uh, she's been through, you know, a lot of alternative medical treatments and things that have yeah. really helped and become a bit of an advocate and spokesperson herself for, um, and she was actually the uh, champion child for BC Children's Hospital uh, the year before last, and so she's really turned that into a positive and a way to way to help other people. That's awesome. But yeah. it, you know, it looks like your mom's creativity gene passed itself down to you. <laughs> I definitely did. I, I grew up in, you know, before my mom, um, you know, I think in my early years, she was, mm-hmm. you know, kind of kept it together a little bit more because she had a real focus in being a parent. And yeah. uh, and it certainly in those early years fostered a lot of creativity and exploration of, of you know, our own, our own independent creativity. So we spent a lot of time, you know, making art projects and collecting seashells and making things, building things and, and really spending a lot of time in the outdoors and, and doing a lot of really, really cool stuff. Cause my mom was very creative. So I'm really Are you the only child? for that. No, yeah. I have a sister yeah. who is uh, 16 months older than me. Oh, wow. <laughs> so we were pretty close growing up. Yeah. Almost like having twins. So <laughs> it, does her artwork, like, do you have a lot of her artwork around? still I have some of her artwork around but not not a lot really she and like I said she she mostly you know she had sketch upon, sketchbook upon sketchbook filled and you know but she never uh she never really thought she was an artist she certainly oh. was but she never really thought of herself that way and I don't think she thought of herself as being as skilled as she was um so she mostly did a lot of doodling and painting and drawing and here and there but she never she never you know framed it and put it up on the walls and and uh, and made it made it her own. You know, it was just kind of this thing she did. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Did what? And you as a little girl, what did you want to grow up to be? Did you, you know? know what's did funny? You... I get asked that question a lot, and I, yeah. as a little girl, and and certainly even into my high school years, I didn't really. And this is again why I do what I do. Um, is I didn't really I didn't really know that the the skills and the gifts that I had were valuable because they were things that weren't really valued in society at that time and certainly not in school and right. uh, and so I didn't yeah I didn't I didn't feel like I knew that I was a little bit different <laughs> and I knew that that I didn't uh, necessarily fit into the fold and I always did things a little bit differently and got in trouble for it um, but I, oh. I yeah I, I never really you thought oh I'm going to be like how did I. <laughs> Not surprising, Frankie. Not surprising. <laughs> I, I spent grade ten in a dark room, the whole grade ten. Me too. Me too. <laughs> like, all I wanted to do. I started with but, photography. You know, I, when I, I never was knew what I wanted 10. to be when I grew up, but I wanted to be so many things, 
and yeah. you know, because I could be everything and nothing, of and course. it was very difficult because everybody yeah. in my family knew exactly who they wanted to be. So it's it's, it's tough I've, not knowing, but it's great not knowing tough. too because it's, now I've you're open to all agree. possibility, right? I know. I still don't know. It just keeps changing yeah, well, all the time, okay. right? But now, but now I actually get doing. to do it. Oh, that's a wonderful way to live, really. We're going to go to a commercial really break. <laughs> Rebecca Kirstein's with us. And when we get back, we're going to have a lot more of Rebecca. And coming up a bit later in the show, uh, Brent Marshall is back. He's our Good Radio movie correspondent. And he's got some really interesting films to talk about today. A little bit off the wall, like the two of us. But that's okay, because off the wall <laughs> sometimes is a lot of fun. <laughs> it's a fun place, fun, fun place to hang out sometimes. Anyway, we will see you shortly. Don't go anywhere. We will be right back. Frankie Sense and More. We're just getting warmed up. Frankie Sense and More will be right back after we pay the bills. Do you ever wonder if you're the only woman who runs errands in her yoga pants so it will look like she went to the gym? Or how about the only mom who feeds her kids raw cookie dough? Or are you the only one who cooks her family cold cereal for dinner? Do you need more laughter and less loudness, more self-love and less self-loathing, more joy and less judgment? You're not alone. Come to The Living Room, a place where we get comfy, candid, and confident together. Come seeking sanctuary and leave feeling renewed. We're saving a seat for you. Give yourself some living room today. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. With food prices creeping up, it's easy to exchange healthy, fresh food for processed, low-nutritional food. But don't do it. According to Organic Gardening, you can eat seven healthy foods and still stay on a budget. They suggest you eat oatmeal, which is only about $3 a pound. Onions are the same price per pound and very good for you. Dry beans are another good choice at about $2 per pound, depending on the variety. Garlic is very healthy and only $1 per pound. Cayenne pepper is packed with nutrients and sells for about $3 a jar. Celery is $1.99 a bunch, while fresh tomatoes are only $1 per pound. By choosing these seven foods and others, you really can eat healthy food and stay on a budget. I'm Annette Hammond. Visit our website at AnnetteHammond.com. And welcome back to Frankie Sense and More. I am your host, Frankie Picasso. My guest today is Rebecca Kirstein. Uh, Rebecca, before we went to break, we were talking about, you know, high school. What did you want to be when you grew up? And, you know, you didn't know and I didn't know. Um, but what was your first job? My first job uh, was actually working in a pet food store. Oh, okay. Cool. <laughs> yeah, it was a, it was a natural pet food store, and uh, it was uh, it was actually really interesting because they were a brand new company and a growing company, and I saw some of the very early growing pains of of the company at the time, and uh, it was actually the first place where I went. I would do this differently. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, it was pretty interesting. And so, when when did you decide I'm going to be an entrepreneur? Uh, pretty young, actually. Yeah, I think uh, when I was still in high school, um, I knew that I didn't really want to work for someone else. Um, and yeah. then when I went to work in the pet food store, 
Um, very shortly thereafter, I worked for the BC government. <laughs> and, oh uh, my God, and, we have the same path. How about oh, I really? the Ontario government? That's so- that's but so funny. Very entrepreneurial. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. And I and I when I worked for the government, I was like, okay, this is not the place for me. And it was like everything was, you know, I if I ran out of things to do, I couldn't do anything else because I was doing yeah. someone else's job. And uh, there was just there wasn't enough work to do in a day for me to to accomplish. And if I did anything else, I was stepping on somebody else's toes. So it was a painful place for me to be because I love to do things and get things done and yeah. uh, accomplish something. So I felt very disillusioned by that job. And everybody around me, because I think I was 18 or 19 at the time, was saying, you know, oh my God, you've got this great government job and you can move up and you can do this and you can do that. And I was like, oh, I don't want to do yeah. any of that. <laughs> I don't want to yeah. be here. Yeah. And uh, so I very quickly found found my way out of there and I went I uh, went to photography school actually that was my my first career and and uh, I still too. own that photography <laughs> studio to this day <laughs> you I and I are cut from the same cloth yeah that's yeah. hilarious so How yeah hilarious that was that? that was my first my first uh, real real career was was as a photographer and I did that for for many many years I still I still do it occasionally for very uh, very special clients that I that I can't say no to um, yeah. but uh, I certainly my my schedule with all the other things that I do is, is, is too busy to be shooting anymore. So my, my business partner and, and our staff do an excellent job of continuing to run that company. Well, I did mention that you had, um, you know, a business photography studio and that you also have a, a nonprofit photography um, studio yes. that, that helps, um, you know, you take pictures of families that can't afford it. Let's talk about that for a moment. Sure. Yeah, that was actually, um, interestingly enough, my very first foray into, you know, the social enterprise nonprofit world, um, and also my first uh, first foray into sponsorship, which, as you know, many years later, working with Charmaine, that's now a big part of what I do uh, with Raise a Dream. However, that was my, my first sort of experience into the, okay, you know, how do, we, how do we take this big idea rolling around in my mind, which at the time had been rolling around for about 10 years, of, you know, how do we, how do we really create a family portrait for families that are, that are in need. So I, I approached um, one of BC's oldest charities, which is, uh, I think they're actually like, you know, their charity number is like three or something ridiculous. And uh, it's the Cridge Center for the Family. And, uh, and they work with a lot of families in a lot of different programs, um, families, you know, seeking um, asylum, families escaping from abuse, um, you know, um, refugee families from other countries. And, uh, and so it was a perfect place to, to partner with them um, in order to access these families who um, really uh, either needed to redefine their family because they'd lost family members or left family members behind um, or, you know, escaping abuse. You know, lots of single, single parents um, with children who really needed to redefine their families. And so it became so much more than a family portrait. It was actually like a, a redefining of their families for them. And I was um, taken aback by how emotional people were to receive these gifts. And, you know, we had everything, oh, wow. everything sponsored. And, and, was, was, there, and, was there people that helped, like, get them clothes or if they wanted to dress or Oh, absolutely. Like there was lots of, yeah, there was lots and lots of sponsors and lots of other partners that were involved. So these families were already receiving, you know, lots of, lots of assistance in a lot of different ways from different organizations locally. And, and we kind of came in and said, hey, what, you know, how about, how about we, you know, do that? We called them portraits in the park and, um, and we would do them in the Cridge Center grounds. They have these beautiful grounds uh, in Victoria. And, uh, and we'd set up there once, once a year. And, you know, we, I think the first year we photographed 100 families. Wow. And, uh, 
I know it was pretty pretty incredible How, and and the gratitude. I love that. I know. That's great. And I've had oh I've God. had people pay me thousands for family portraits in the past and these families that, you know, essentially I got this for free. I've never ever met any any people so grateful to have a family portrait. So it was a it was a pretty cool experience. Yeah, it must be. And BK Studios, um your other, you know, business photography studio, you yeah. um help people identify their brand there and you, you know, you yeah. help them tell their story so that when people absolutely. see them, it's like, oh, that's what they do. That's who she is. That's what they, yeah, absolutely. That's, that's a, a huge her. part of what we do, which actually led into my, my business after that was, you know, I was working in photography and, um, and doing a lot of business photography and, and really identifying some gaps, particularly for small business. You know, people would come to me and, you know, I, I need new photos and I need, you know, new photos for my website. And, you know, they'd want to spend thousands of dollars on photography. And I'd take a look at kind of where they were at and, and their website and some of the other challenges they were facing. And, you know, I'd be, I'd be advising people not to hire me and to instead go and hire, you know, a marketing specialist and, and hire a web designer and hire a graphic designer mm-hmm. because there yeah. were other elements they needed first, you know, and I couldn't, I couldn't with integrity take their money. Um, when in actuality they had, they had some missing steps and photography wasn't going to solve their problems. So, um, I would, you know, advise them on that. And then people kept saying to me, well, you should really, you know, advise people on business and you should advise people on branding. And, you know, and I kind of just fell into that. Um, and, and out of that, the Freebird Collective was born, which is the, the marketing and branding, um, agency of, of specialists. So we really, we really did that differently because that was, again, a huge gap we identified in small business was that people were, really struggling but couldn't afford to hire an agency right. so we we banded together a uh, a flock as we call it of uh-huh. uh, freelance experts and um and everybody really works together um, with a project manager but the fees that are associated with hiring an agency don't exist in that model um and therefore small business are able to hire not only those individuals a la carte, but also able to hire the whole team um, and really work through the process of building their brand and, and building their marketing strategy without breaking the bank. So it was a, a pretty successful endeavor. And again, used sponsorship to to launch that off the ground and and uh, and catapult into the next thing. <laughs> well, let's talk about Raise a Dream and then we'll go on yeah, to Raise a Dream. Dream a few times. So this is a collaborative um you teach people how to collaborate and partner and sponsor. And Absolutely. so how, how does that all work? If I how does that all work? I go, it's a I got a dream. <laughs> I've got a dream and I want to raise it. I have a dream. Everybody yeah, knows that statement, dream. right? Yeah. And um, that's actually, yep. it's actually a very um, uh, exciting venture because I, um, I had, I had used sponsorship in literally every business I'd ever had. And kind of along the way became a bit of an expert at it without even really realizing it uh, because wow. it wasn't something that I had quantified as, you know, a way of doing business. It was just this thing that I did whenever I launched um, well, we need a to nonprofit talk. initiative. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? Um, and, and that, it, it's, it's an incredible way to scale. It's an incredible way to build partnerships, an incredible way to collaborate with other companies to really leverage your brand. And, uh, and I had just kind of intuitively done that in all of my businesses in a variety of different ways. Um, and then by the time I got to rethink thinking, which we can, we could talk about later, um, was really, that was where I really used it in a full scale in a very short period of time to build something massive really, really quickly. And that's where people started taking notice and going, Hey, what are you doing over there? How's that, how's that happening? And, um, and ultimately, um, 
got me an introduction to Charmaine Hammond, who is now my business partner, um, through um, a mutual friend and, and, co- and business coach, uh, Graham White, who actually introduced us. And he invited us both to an event in, in Calgary. And um, we both, you know, really wanted to meet each other because we were working in the same field. And, uh, and we just hit it off like a house on fire. And, you know, within weeks we started a business together because both of us knew that we couldn't build something like this at the scale that we wanted to build it and really share it with other people in a meaningful way, uh, on our own. So, and as, as all of my other businesses have been, um, collaborations, I, I know the power of that, uh, all too well and, uh, nothing, nothing I've ever built that's been big and amazing and awesome has ever been alone. So, um, and Charmaine, you know, felt exactly the same way. So we partnered to form Raise a Dream, and Raise a Dream uses all of those That's concepts awesome. of partnership and I collaboration. I love that. I love it's that really... so much. Yeah, and and just for my my U.S. Um, listeners, I just want to yeah. let you know that we're talking about places in Canada. You can get a map out and look because <laughs> I know you don't usually know where they are. Most most of my, yeah. most of my listeners are American, but crazy um, Canadians. yeah, it's so great to have a Canadian, a fellow Canadian on the show today. Yay. So, <laughs> and, and Charmaine, she, she straddles both categories because she's a U.S. resident and, uh, and, but Canadian born. Yeah. <laughs> half yeah. And half. So there. Okay. <laughs> we are going to go to commercial in about mm, Two and a half minutes, I think. But let, let's talk about, uh, we'll start on, on Think Rethink and, and we'll finish it after our break. But this sure. this is an amazing idea and I'm really, you know, um, interested to know where it came from. Now, you say it's a series of events for critical thinkers and it's creative events to empower youth educators and parents to become collaborative critical critical thinkers and problem solvers for the complex open-ended challenges that our youth are going to face tomorrow. And Mm. that the model that we're working with today doesn't work anymore. So I I love that idea. And, you know, so many times in business, in my businesses that, you know, even especially at the government, um, when I worked there working with teams and stuff, I would always ask the person who didn't know anything about what we were doing because they, they weren't, um, you know, they weren't stuck by the rules. They didn't know how things were supposed to work. And so their, their, their innovative ideas actually were, you know, more useful, let's say, than the people who were so-called experts in a field. Absolutely. We find that to be true often. <laughs> yeah. So tell us, about, where, did this idea, where did you come up with this, you know, rethink, think, gee, I think I'm going to do this idea. Right. It's uh, it's yeah, it's it's a bit of a long story, but I'm going to give you the short version. Uh, in that, <laughs> I definitely, uh, I I myself struggled in in high school. In high school, you know, I watched the clock, and I was really most of the time waiting for school to end. Um, yeah. And how could I get out of there? And how could I, you know, fill that fill that time with other things? And uh, you know, fast forward to the life that I have now, and I I think my daughter was about six years old. And um, I had the fortune of attending um, a uh, national independent schools conference uh, in uh, New York. Uh, and that was probably, I guess, about 2008. I and, am going to uh, have to stop you. I'm sorry. You have to. Well, Bridget, we're going to we'll commercial break. Okay, so commercial break me and then I'll tell you. this thought, though. Yep. No, you got uh, we got a few a few seconds here before we go to break. Um, but please don't go anywhere. Coming up is Brent Marchand after we talk about Think We Think. And I don't know if uh, you have like 500 people that attend this event, I think, uh, something like that. But we're going to talk more about it and um, I'll get all the details for you as soon as we come back.
Sounds good. Warmed up. Frankie Sense and more will be right back after we pay the bills. It's merging you seen the video of the little seal that jumped into the back of a boat to escape being eaten by killer whales? A family was whale watching near Vancouver Island, British Columbia, when they noticed a pod of orcas swimming around their boat. All of a sudden, a harbor seal swam up to the stern of their boat and jumped in with the orcas hot on his tail. When a whale leaps out of the water, exposing most of its body, it's called breaching. There are 32 different species of seals distributed throughout the world and are found from polar to tropical waters. The largest concentrations of seals in the U.S. are in California and New England. Everyone who has seen the video agrees this was one lucky seal. What's another word for the fear of the sea? Thalassophobia. It's marching I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. the good old days. A hundred years ago, the average life expectancy was 47 years. More than 95% of all births occurred at home, and only 14% of U.S. homes had a bathtub. Most women only wash their hair once a month and used borax or egg yolks for a shampoo. Of course, eggs were a mere 14 cents a dozen. 100 years ago, only 8% of homes had a telephone, beginning a century of telewagging. A hundred years ago, there were only 8,000 cars registered in the U.S. and just 144 miles of paved roads. The average wage in the U.S. was 22 cents an hour. What's a word for the pathological yearning for the good old days? Hesternophobia. It's marching I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my new app, Too Funny for Words. Hey, and we're back. <laughs> I'm your host, Frankie Picasso. The show is Frankie Sins and more. And my guest today is Rebecca Kirstein. And we are talking about this amazing event. This is the second year she's going to put it on of Rethink Think. And tell us about it. It happens in November. It does happen in November. Yes, Rethink Thinking is uh, an event to empower youth. Um, so it's really, really come about from um, a real identified need from working with, I actually worked with the Pacific School of Innovation and Inquiry here in Victoria, BC, um, which is a pretty incredible, incredible school. Um, and wow. uh, my daughter is actually a student there. And I worked with Jeff Hopkins, um, the founder of the school, and uh, they're doing an incredible model of, of inquiry-based learning. And after working with some students there, I really, really thought that uh, this was something we should shine a bigger light on. And so we partnered with Jeff and a host of 75 local businesses and organizations and universities and colleges uh, to get this off the ground. And we brought in Sir Ken Robinson, who I'm not sure if, if your listeners are familiar with, but if you haven't seen Sir Ken Robinson's TED Talk on education, it's the number one watched TED Talk in the world. And, uh, oh, yeah. and yeah. incredible, incredible leader in education transformation. And, and we actually brought him in as our keynote to, uh, to speak to the kids and inspire them about taking control of their own education and, um, and how they could become uh, really critical thinkers and, and have creative confidence and, and uh, be able to create change in the world. And, and uh, we, we brought these kids together in a crazy location down at the waterfront in a, in a warehouse and converted it into a really incredible space, uh, indoor-outdoor space, and, and uh, you know, had, of course, lots of fun and a big party and food trucks and all those kinds of things. But we also did uh, 
really got down to business and, and started by asking the kids one question. And that question was, if you could make, change, build, create, collaborate on anything today to make your lives or the lives of others better, what would that be? Um, and then we take the kids through this, um, a, a combination of Jeff uh, from the Pacific School of Innovation Inquiry, his uh, educational methodology around inquiry-based learning, combined with uh, an open space concept. Uh, if anyone's ever been to an open space uh, conference, it's very, very unlike anything else you've ever been to at a conference. And it's really the ideas of the people that are there that day are the ideas that come forward and the ideas that get discussed and, and created. And so out of that came... 21 blue paper projects um, ranging from, we call them blue paper projects uh, because we put them on big, huge blue sticky notes at the end of the day. And, uh, and these kids really uh, come together to create uh, change. Uh, everything from they launched the Youth Political Commons, which uh, is now in four schools across our city. Um, wow. And they are you know, teaching people how to turn um, vehicles into electric vehicles. And we had uh, youth uh, against uh, antimicrobial research um, antimicrobial bacteria, uh, and they called themselves Yammer. And by the end of the day, they had filmed a PSA with Shaw TV locally that was one of our sponsors, and they had launched a website and all their social media accounts. And And uh, these kids have really brought amazing ideas. These are grade 9 to 12 students, and they Holy have brought crap. these amazing ideas into into actual action within a two-day period. So amazing. it's pretty incredible. Yeah, it's, it's really amazing to watch, so I'm I'm grateful to be a part of it. But I think that the world, you know, the way that it's going right now, it, it you know, it, it it's set up for entrepreneurs. You're going to have to be an entrepreneur in the future. I think you're, you know, I think that's kind of the way it's going, in a collaborative one, you know? Absolutely. And even if, um, you know, even if you're not going to be a quote unquote entrepreneur in the sense that you, you know, start your own uh, business or or especially a brick and mortar business, let alone an online business. Um, but the entrepreneurial skills that are acquired in entrepreneurial um, activities and and uh, and education, those mm-hmm. skills are the skills that we absolutely need our kids to have. Our kids need to be capable of of change and and critical yeah. thinking and you know outside the box thinking. And I mean, we've got some pretty big problems on our planet, and these oh, kids are going to be yeah. the ones to uh, to make change. So they they really really need these skills more than ever. So. And they want them. This is this is how they want to yes. learn. This is, yeah. you know, they want to do. They don't want to sit in a classroom and and, and uh, absorb information. You know, we've got all of I our mean, university. That's why university <laughs> seems like such a waste to me because you just sat in a big lecture and, and somebody yapped at you, and you know they didn't care if you were there or not. But you know, as an entrepreneur, I mean, you have to be self motivated, and you have to, you know, we we're action people. Like we don't just sit around people yeah, and, and, and you have to help them, you know, hands on and, and dig in and what can you do? Be absolutely. creative. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, my, my dad and, always and, said to me, anybody can do it with money. What can you do without? And that just like, wow. Yeah, you're right. What could I do without if I didn't have money? And it makes you just so much more creative. Absolutely. Rethink thinking itself, the entire organization, you know, started with no money, no people, no resources. It's like, okay, how do we make something out of nothing? How do we create what that. we wish existed? Yeah, that's and, my alley. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so we did. <laughs> it's I amazing love it. what yeah. a group of people it's can so do. It's so interesting. What what a way. I, I mean, innovation is, I mean, they started to put an innovation award at government, but I don't know how innovative, you know, it really was. Uh, because there's so much red tape that it stops any and all 
you know, innovation, really. Um, I think that they need to do away with, with all these rules and regulations and just go for what you need. I mean, to do a study on homeless people and, you know, for, for a hundred thousand dollars or whatever else it costs, like there's a hundred thousand dollars, give it to homeless people, like build them a place yeah. to go. Like, why are you studying them? You know? <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. There's, there's, fix it. there's way better, faster ways to make yeah. it Yeah. Absolutely. And I think that's the, the kids, their minds are so facile and, and they, they're not, you know, tied down with limitations. And so they can go to places that, you know, many people can't go. It's awesome. Oh, the ideas they idea. had, and interestingly enough, um, homelessness was one of the ideas that was tackled by the kids at the summit. And uh, they have an unbelievable capacity to think differently you know i mean it's like the the, the whole question um john abbott is one of my one of my favorite uh, writers on the subject of, of education and and you know he really talks a lot about you know what is what is adolescence for and that this actual at the the whole period of life of adolescence is really about challenging their parents you know the whole evolutionary purpose of adolescence is to challenge right. the way things have been done and do things differently well, because, no, is... you know, you've been socialized up to that point, you know, and, yeah. and, and it's just like midlife too, is, is like that midlife crisis, I, I call the metamorphosis where you, you're coming out of the socialization period and trying to become your own self, you know, instead of the, the person everybody else wanted you to be. And I think adolescence is kind of like that too. You're coming into your own and, and you're trying to, you know, figure out who you are as a person. And, yeah. and yet we're trying to tie them down all the time because, you know, well, yeah. we know better than you, you know, we know what's yeah. going to happen to you, you know. Listen we spend me. a lot of time and money and resources trying to control that and contain yeah. it rather than let them flourish. Yeah, yeah exactly. So how cool, like, I'm sure that you, you're, you're there already, um, but I can just imagine that you have this event and this event is simultaneously happening in other cities and somehow you're, you know, you're streaming and collaborating across the globe. Uh, yeah, this is this is the vision. So it's certainly yeah. um, we're we're proving the model here in in the, our little little edge of the earth in uh, in ba- on Vancouver Island, Victoria, BC. Tiny, tiny, tiny little place on the map, but uh, a lot going on here, um, and certainly uh, uh, proving out this model so that this can be repeated in any city is uh, is our goal. So is this and, only uh, open to children from BC or or no? It's open. Go? We actually got contacted from. Um, groups and schools in Finland and Denmark and nice. Hong Kong and Australia. <laughs> yeah. So it's, uh, it, I think it will very quickly have an international component. Um, and right now we're kind of, kind of keeping it centralized to, uh, to Victoria as an event so that we can really, really fine tune the model. Um, and then, and then create something so that other, other, uh, cities across the world can, can also repeat the model. And you also have a bursary, don't you, for people who, whose families can't afford to attend? Absolutely yes. We have a we have a, every every learner has ideas as our student bursary, and it's open so that any any student, regardless of any financial barriers, is able to attend. Um, and that not only includes their ticket price for the event all weekend, it also includes their uh, meals as well. Very cool. Yeah, I love that. Idea. And if people wanted to get involved, do you need volunteers or do you need people? Yeah, absolutely. Like, what do you need? Yeah, we. We always need more people. We always need more resources. We're always, you know, fundraising and sponsorship and, and any business that, um, you know, as, as anyone knows in the, in the marketing world, getting in front of this audience of, of students, um, you know, any really socially conscious business we welcome as a, as a sponsor uh, because getting in front of an audience of, of students and their families uh, is actually a, a pretty big challenge in that, in that market in a meaningful way. 
Um, and it's yeah. a wonderful way for our partners to do that. So it's, uh, it's, yeah, we're definitely, we're always, always growing and always looking to add, add more, uh, add more people and add more resources to the fold. Well, thank you, um, Rebecca, for telling us about this event, because it just sounds absolutely amazing. Brent is with us right now, and I'm going to bring him on, too. And I want you to stick around, because th- sure. these movies are, like, incredible. And we have been carrying on with our theme about shaping and perceiving our existence. And Rebecca's certainly proven that she does that, and she's helping these kids do that. And now Brent, um, it's always been his theme. And so let's, let's <laughs> welcome Brent Marshall. Hey, Brent. How are you? Hey, Frankie. How are you doing? Doing really well, thank you. Hi, you have brought us some incredible movies this week. A little bit out of the, a little bit on the edge. <laughs> well, it's it, it's interesting in the fact that they seem to be representing a, a trend that's been kind of quietly emerging for a while. They're all kind of related in one way or another, having mm-hmm. to do with the idea of, um, you know, understanding our perspective, um, how we view reality, how we participate and create our reality. And it's it's kind of unusual that they all came out during the summer. It's usually a time when we're seeing a lot of comic book movies and uh, action hero movies and, you know, animation, comedies, things like that. Um, but these are movies that are definitely worth seeing. You know, they may be a little, may take a little work to find them, but they're definitely, you know, well worth your time. I know that, that you're going to, we're going to go to commercial break soon, actually. And I know that you're going to talk about Brigsby Bear. And I read um, a review yesterday that said Brigsby Bear was the the best movie ever made that you'll never see. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope <And> not. <laughs> yeah, you hope not, right? But, like, they, everybody loved it. Critics loved it. Everybody's loved it. Um, and And yet, very, very narrow release. Unfortunately, it did. It opened very narrow. It went a little wider. I think it's probably nearing the end of its run right now. But let's hope that with word of mouth, that when it comes out on DVD, that people will flock to it. Well, start telling us a little bit about it. I'll I'll, I'll tell you when we have to go commercial, and then we'll carry okay. on one minute. Okay, we got one minute. Well, okay. Well, Brigsby Bear is it's an interesting movie in the fact that it, it profiles the life of this young man. He's in his twenties, who grows up in like this ecopod in the desert with his parents and. He believes that the outside world has got, you know, bad air and so forth, so he doesn't get a chance to really go exploring. Um, the only contact he has with the outside world is a, a TV show that he grew up with called Brigsby Bear, and um, everything he sees on there he believes is gospel. He believes that's the way that the world works and that's the way things go, until the house gets raided and he's brought into the outside world only to find out that everything that he's been told all these years is basically a lie. The people he's been living with, who he believed to be his parents, had actually kidnapped him from a hospital when he was an infant. Yeah, crazy stuff. We're going to go to commercial break, Brent. When we come back, we're going to hear more about Brigsby Bear. It's a really funny, funny, touching movie. Don't go anywhere. Heck no. We're just getting warmed up. Frankie Sense and more will be right back after we pay the bills. It's marching Last night, my husband was laughing as he was reading about the differences between men and women. According to the article, men get single tusks or hiccups more often than women. Everyone knows that women are better at multitasking than men. I'm good at both multitasking and procrastinating, which means right now there are 28 things that I'm putting off until later. What's another word for a person who puts everything off until the last minute? A cunctator. 
women blink nearly twice as much as men. And while men can read smaller print than women, women can hear better. In fact, when a woman says, what? She heard you. She's just giving you a chance to change what you said. It's words you never heard. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. It is not a myth that healthy, nutrient-dense foods are more expensive than many junk foods. Researchers at the University of Washington found that healthy foods like lean meats and whole grains have increased nearly 30% in the past four years, while soft drinks and candy have only gone up 15%. Since meat is one of the most expensive items that you purchase at the grocery store, it's a good idea to cut back on meat, especially for health reasons. Filling up on fresh fruit and vegetables is a great way to lose weight, keep healthy, and keep food costs down. Eating beneficial, delicious foods keeps you lean, strong, and in good health. It is possible to eat healthy food and keep costs down. Your goal is to lose weight, not money. For the Fitness Minute... I'm Annette Hammond. Like us on Facebook at Fitness Minute with Annette Hammond. You're listening to Frankie Sense and More, in case you forgot. I'm your host, Frankie Picasso. Brent Marchand is with us. He's our Good Radio Network movie correspondent. And, of course, Rebecca's still here with us. We're talking about the movie Brigsby Bear, the best movie you never saw. (laughs) And hopefully you will on DVD or in a theater near you. Um, so, is that? Did you want to say more about that movie, Brad? Yeah, well, ba- well basically, on? once he's uh, once he's released into the outside world, he has to cope with a totally different reality from what he's grown up with, mm-hmm. and that's not always the easiest thing to do, especially since um, you know he he's looking for things like like where's the next episode of Brigsby Bear? I mean, <laughs> that's been, <laughs> he's heard of Brigsby Bear. That's my guide to the world. I mean, how can I get by? Uh, he yeah. comes to find out that the the person that the show was actually being created by uh, the person who was supposedly his dad uh, was sort of a gift to him, and um, he decides at that point now that he's in this new reality and reunited with his biological parents that his mission in life at that point is to finish telling Brigsby's story. So we get to see the character as he's adjusting to the new world. We get to see him. Um, basically exploring and creating uh, a world that he believes exists. Um, you you know in the movie trailer where he's, he's like um, looking up at the moon and it had that moon phase. Yes. yes. And that, that's from another movie, like from the thirties or something. I can't remember. Cause I can like, I go, Oh, I know that movie. It's sort of a tribute to the old silent movie about called the trip to the moon. Yes. Went, that was yeah, it. A trip yeah, to the moon. Which, yeah. Back to the early, early 20th century. Yeah, 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 yeah. I go, oh, I know that. <laughs> I've seen that before. Yeah, that's crazy. But so fun. It's, it's, a, it's a fun movie in terms of, you know, learning to appreciate how we see our reality, um, mm-hmm. how we, by extension, help to, help to shape it and create it, uh, how we can end up influencing others. Uh, and it also gets into a lot of other areas like, um, you know, exploring the idea of creative fulfillment, uh forgiveness and reconciliation. I mean, mm-hmm. it really covers mm-hmm. a lot of ground, and <clears throat> it's amazing that it does so as well as it does in a relatively short runtime. I believe it's only about 90 minutes long. Wow, um, that is but, short. Uh, but it's, it's got a lot of laughs in it, and it's got some terrific uh, cinema, uh, uh, cinematography and special effects. So 
I recommend it really highly. It's a really nice. good movie. Okay, Dave made a maze. What a crazy, fun movie that is. <laughs> yes, that <laughs> certainly is. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's an independent film that's currently playing in very limited release, but it is available for viewing online right now from Amazon and iTunes. Yeah. Uh, it's the story of an artist who never finishes anything he starts, and he decides one weekend while his significant other is away that he's going to build a maze out of cardboard in his uh, living room. So he starts doing it, goes inside, realizes once he's in there that actually it's much bigger on the inside than on the outside, and gets lost, can't figure his way out. Uh, when his girl- girlfriend or significant other arrives back home, they can hear each other, but they can't see each other, and uh, she's concerned about his well-being. But he says, don't come in. It's dangerous in here. You'll get lost. There's dangers lurking. Please don't come after me. Well, of course, nobody listens to that. And she ends up going in with a bunch of other people, and they suddenly find themselves in this really wild and woolly labyrinth, which in many ways... Crazy is, world. <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> which in many ways is, is really kind of like symbolic of, um, you know, the labyrinth of the mind. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's, it ends up uh, bringing him face-to-face with some of his issues. Like, why hasn't he finished any of the things that he started? Why does he lead the life that he does? And if he wants to change it, what does he need to do to be able to, to correct things? Um, <clears throat> movie, <clears throat> excuse me, it's got some very interesting little uh, cinematography effects, and it's also got some uh, really wild art direction involving things like puppets and, you mm-hmm. know, <laughs> creative use of origami. I mean, when was the last time you saw a movie that did that? <laughs> It's so, like a bizarro, but fun. Yeah, it's a lot of um, fun. It's, it's, in yeah. many ways, it's also kind of like an edgy tribute to a lot of the um, like fantasy adventure movies of the eighties. Yeah, like like Labyrinth and Explorers and things like that. So who doesn't love those? Yes, exactly. So this is <laughs> yeah. a lot of fun. This is a lot of fun. Now I love the idea of Marjorie Prime. Marjorie Prime is wonderful. Lois Smith, amazing. She was just terrific. <clears throat> this movie is uh, it's an independent, independent film. It's just gone into release. A little hard to find, but definitely worth your time to find. Uh, it has to do with a, a life in the very near future where we've developed a technology to create uh, computer simulations of people who we have known who have passed on. And it allows the survivors to essentially have conversations with them, uh, to address unresolved matters, to just reminisce at times and so forth. And it has a lot of applications. Uh, and one thing in particular with the lead character, Marjorie, um, she's suffering from dementia, so she ends up um, coming into contact with a prime, as they're called, who is, uh, looks like her deceased husband when he was much younger. So they spend a lot of time reminiscing, which is part of her treatment and therapy for helping And he her jogs to, her memory. Yeah, right. to hold on to the short-term memory so that she can hopefully forestall some of the effects of the dementia she's suffering from. Um, but it goes further than that. I mean, it gives the other characters a chance to uh, address issues that they never got around to addressing and um, helps to bring some closure to matters and so forth. Um, really very thoughtful, kind of haunting in some ways, Um Really excellent, excellent performances by um, Gina Davis, 
Lois Smith, a character actress who has never really received the recognition she deserves, but she's terrific here. She's been in so many films too, and John Hamm, love him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just a it's a great cast. Um, and Tim Robbins, who's like one of my favorites yep, of all yep. times. <laughs> so yeah, this one yeah, is yeah. Um, this one is definitely worth your time. Um, it's uh, directed by a direct a filmmaker named Michael Almoreto, who made a movie a couple of years ago called Experimenter, which was also really good. Um, he's somebody who is really kind of underrated in terms of the work that he does because he puts a lot of thoughtfulness into his movies and um, helps us to, in this movie, you know, come to appreciate um, a new sense of what do we actually think constitutes reality? Does it necessarily have to be physical? You know, can it be virtual as it is in some ways here? Yeah. Does it seem just as real as what we normally consider real? Um, you know, it's interesting. Lois said that she was actually doing the play version of this movie. She was on stage doing this and she asked the director to come and watch, watch, watch her on stage. And after he thought, wow, that'd be a great movie. And they turned it into a screenplay. And so that's really interesting. Like, cause she was talking about how she went from, you know, a, a place where you have to talk a lot because you're on stage. People can't really know all the stuff that you see in a movie to turning it into a movie version. They did a pretty good job of converting the script. Um, yeah. there's, a, there's a few spots where it gets, where you're you're kind of maybe wondering where they're going with the, some of the dialogue, but then as you get to see it play out, uh, you realize, oh yeah, there's a purpose behind everything that was said, even if it didn't necessarily seem relevant when you first initially saw it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All of these movies sound like absolutely amazing movies to go, you know, to watch and see, and mm-hmm. especially if you're a thinker, you know. Especially during summer. I mean, who expects movies like this to come out during the summertime? That's the thing that really amazes me. Um, yeah, but they don't I, I find that really streaming. Li- listening, Go ahead, Rebecca. Listening to you guys talking about those kinds of movies, I just I want to throw in there that as a parent of a teenager, you know, sometimes I throw those movies out at my daughter and she's like, oh, I don't know, I don't know if I want to see that. And then we sit down and watch a really thought-provoking film like that, and the conversation that that elicits with a teenager is incredible. So yeah. I, uh, I, can, I could not advocate more for those kinds of quirky, off-the-wall-seeming movies that maybe a teenager might not be drawn to because you know, it doesn't have action and adventure and intrigue and all those things on the, on the cover. But it's a really uh, incredible way to start a conversation. But um, I find it really annoying that, that you know, whoever puts the movies into movie theaters thinks that we don't want to see them either because I they know. never go mainstream, ever. And they'll play yeah. five of one kind of a movie and none of, you know, something interesting. You know? I totally agree, Frankie. I totally agree. Well, given the fact that the summer box office has been pretty much a disappointment for most of the studios and distributors, mm-hmm. they may want to start rethinking some of their strategy. Because, no kidding. Yeah, because I, mean, I think they said the other day that this was the worst box office they've had since 2006 for the summer wow. season. Wow. I mean, thank God for Wonder Woman, right? She yeah. saved them. Yeah, I mean Wonder Woman and Wonder Woman, Dunkirk, and the uh, Guardians movie. Those are the ones that really kind of saved the summer. Yeah. So. Wow. Well, they need to start bringing in some quirkier films because I'd go see that. <laughs> yeah, I would too. I love that. Like, like you know, I mean, we talk about a lot of great movies here, but like Maudie was a movie that you know nobody really said anything about, but you know, you go and see it and you love it. Yep. It's like such a cool movie. So yeah, all of them are, are really great. Oh, and, and, of course, one. they're always tied into, you know, Brent's conscious movies. <laughs> well, one, last one, to, one last one to throw on really quick. Uh, we're going to talk about this more on Mission Unstoppable in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Is, uh, the documentary Normal is Over, which is about sustainability. Um, but it's a wonderful picture from the standpoint of showing 
if we really want to save the earth, we have to change ourselves first. And mm-hmm. that's, an, that's an, an angle that I haven't seen a lot of movies along those lines addressed before. They've always talked about, well, we need to use this technology and that technology and, you know, establish this program and so forth. And there's some of that in this movie, but a lot of it comes down to, well, you know, you've really got to change yourself first if you really want to solve this problem. And uh, it'll be an interesting conversation when we talk to Renee Sheltema, oh, yeah. the director Can of the we? movie on Mission Unstoppable, because uh, she's got a very unique perspective with the way she addresses this. And I think it's, it's an important message for us to hear because it really gets to the root of the matter in a way that other movies in the same vein doesn't really do. I'm going to stop you just for a minute because I want to make sure we've got two minutes left. I want to make sure to thank Rebecca Kirstein. Thank you so much, Rebecca, for coming on the show. Please go to her website, www.rebeccakirstein.com, K-I-R-S-T-E-I-N, and also go to www.rethinkthinking.ca, rethinkthinking.ca. There we go. Thank Story you so Brent. much, Brent. And, Brent, and Brent's blogs uh, on the Good Radio Network.com. You can go there, see all the reviews of his movies and uh, many other places, too. But go to the Good Radio Network for that one. Sorry, Brian. Carry on. Oh, no problem. No problem. It's, it's wonderful to meet you both. And I'm, nice. I'm really excited that I have some movies that I actually want to watch now. Yeah. <laughs> so thanks for bringing those to light. That's all part of the job. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So, you know, we've had a wonderful, wonderful real talk about, um, you know, how we shape and perceive our existence and change and, you know, what we need for the new world, this collaboration and innovation and people exchanging ideas, which is fun and amazing to do and a necessity for our future. So thanks to both of you for coming on the show today. And thanks, Brent, for actually, you know, having that theme. Uh, right in front of us yeah i love that i love that idea and it really fit great with rebecca and all all the stuff that she has going on so we will see you next week on for another tranky sense and more take care everybody have a wonderful day wherever you are in the world i love you and make sure you do something good for somebody today and call the montreal spca and save maggie and the other 499 dogs please Production. Mm-hmm. Shit, now you, she the one way to turn the world.